with us again. Is Andrew Yang the, uh, could I call you a futurist? Do we accept this title? You know, I used to joke, Ethan, that people call me a futurist, but I'm actually a presentist. Because mm. it's all going on right now. <laughs> That's... And, uh, and I was contrasting myself with other political figures who seem stuck in the past. It's like everyone's arguing for some version of the past. Mm. <laughs> so... So, uh, you know, but if people call me a futurist, I mean, it sounds cool. It makes me sound with it and forward thinking. So, I mean, I'll, I'll take it. That is a good point, though. I mean, the ideas that, that you were speaking about only, you know, a year or two ago before COVID is already here now. UBI was your was your kind of main main uh, platform. And <clears throat> once COVID hit, this whole UBI discussion came forefront, like all of a sudden this isn't such a bad idea. Yeah, a majority of Americans now support universal basic income. That just came out this week. And something like 76% of Americans <clears throat> favor cash relief during the pandemic, which is, as you can tell, a very close cousin to universal basic income. And we're getting a ton of economic data right now that's showing that the money we're putting into people's hands has been enormously positive for the economy, for those individuals and families, uh, for people's ability to continue to spend money uh, in their local communities. So it, it's been like a large scale kind of involuntary UBI trial, uh, but I'm happy to say that it seems like now it's mainstream wisdom and the majority of the American people support it. I just wish it didn't have to be under these circumstances. But thank you all, because you were ahead of the curve. Pre-pandemic, you were like, hey, right. this is actually a good idea. And then now we all look like geniuses because everyone's like, we should totally freaking do this. No, the, <laughs> the timing was crazy because once like, <clears throat> once the pandemic hit and everyone started talking about cash relief, like your name started trending on Twitter because mm -hmm. everyone was like, dude, Andrew <laughs> has been talking about this right before it happened. The timing was unbelievable. But what the government has done... Like you said, is cash relief. It's not really UBI. Whereas a lot of other countries have gone beyond and just said, you know, during during this crisis, we're going to give you cash every month. Our government has stopped short of that. They're, they gave one time $1,200. Is that enough, in your opinion, to to really help people get by? Well, it's better than nothing, but it should have been recurring. They should have done, done that sort of thing every month for virtually everybody. I just want to say uh, how happy I was to see you and Gila with your uh, help economic mm -hmm. relief where you're just giving folks uh, $500, which is an enormous difference maker, I know, because we, we know we've been doing something similar. Uh, but our government should have been doing that kind of thing from day one for virtually all of us. And the thing that made me... There's, there are a lot of things that made me very angry about our approach, uh, but we were using the IRS as a tool to get people these checks, and mm. that was the right move under the circumstances, but it still misses a ton of people. <clears throat> there are a lot of people that are not filing tax returns that don't make enough money in mm. many cases, and when we were trying to get money to people, we were just doing what ordinary people would do, which was like, Venmoing or cash apping or mm. PayPal. I mean, that's how you and I send money to each other. When we send each other money every night, which, you know, <laughs> that's not to say, you know what I mean? But like if, if individuals are trying to send money to each other, you know, like you, you can just do it. 
Um, so that's what my org has been doing. Our government, how can our government not use an app that like millions of us used? But do you <laughs> find so? It's like if they wanted to get money to us, like they could get money to I us. I wonder, do they? It it almost seems like too unofficial. The government sending money to people through like Venmo or something. Do they make their own proprietary thing? Like, how do they do that? Really, within it just seems odd for the government to send. A trillion dollars over Venmo. It would have been awesome, though. I mean, it would have been awesome. I agree. Is that is that a feasible? Here is that a realistic? Venmo.gov. Actually, I should say CashApp.gov because I'm better friends with Jack. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I didn't. CashApp.gov. Yeah. Uh, So, uh, it's. I mean, it's funny that joke about how unofficial it seems. Um, but th- that is the kind of move that I wish we'd made. Mm. Uh, and at this point, the vast majority of Americans know we need to do a lot more for people. I'm friends with a guy who has essentially a dashboard to the financial pictures of over 2 million American uh, temp gig and contract workers. And so he's seeing their financial fortunes rise and fall in real mm. time. And he said that like their jobs started to evaporate in March but a lot of them kept getting money from the unemployment benefits. And that was like the big lifeline for a lot of these folks. And then he saw those benefits end in July and then all of a sudden stuff just starts heading down. He also said that the temp and gig opportunities have gone down by 60% writ large. Mm -hmm. So a lot of those people don't have jobs to seek out Um, and they had money and now they're not having money. And so he's seeing it all uh, evaporate in August. So we should be doing more of what we uh, did in April. We just sent people money. We should be doing it to virtually everyone every month. To your point too, Ethan, because they're doing a lot of those sorts of things in other parts of the world. Right. Yeah. I mean, we're in this situation. I don't know how people are going to continue to get by because like you said, the, the benefits basically just stopped, right? Where if you're unemployed, people are getting an extra $600 on top of their unemployment. And I know for a lot of people, they said, this is huge. Uh, this is helping me a lot. <clears throat> that's that's ran out now, right? And so I I genuinely am soup. And then at the same time, you have a, in a lot of places the the eviction moratorium uh, expiring. And I feel like we're kind of on the verge of of a cliff that we're about to fall off of. I mean, and and. And in the meantime, the Congress isn't isn't pushing any new relief bills or they're incapable of coming to some kind of compromise. I mean, it just seems like we're right on the blade's edge right now. Uh, the, the fact that my friend with this company and he has his real-time <clears throat> dashboard, yeah, like you can see people's way of life deteriorating and disintegrating <clears throat> in front of you. Uh, something like 30% of Americans had trouble meeting housing payments last month. Uh, and so if you have an eviction mm-hmm. moratorium and... Uh, and people's unemployment benefits start to dry up, um, you're going to see mass evictions, and uh, folks are going to be in unthinkable situations pretty quickly. It it really does make me very angry uh, that our Congress isn't doing the obvious. It's just showing how dysfunctional the government is at this Mm -hmm. point. I mean... Uh, it's It's why I ran for president, and, you know, now I'm shifting gears because... You know, you have to do whatever you can to solve the problem. So now I shifted gears to giving money to folks like uh, like you've been doing. Thank you to everyone who donated. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, and pushing for other solutions. Uh, you know, I'm trying to get Trump out because I think that 
that not, none of these problems are going to get addressed meaningfully uh, unless we have a different set of leaders. Uh, but that nothing I just said should stop members of Congress right now from doing what the vast majority of Americans want to see in the form of cash relief. Again, you know, it's like if 76% of Americans are for something, why is it so hard for our members of Congress just to come together and say, well, let's just do what everyone right. wants. Yeah. And it's obvious and economists <coughs> say it's the, the right thing to do. Well, you know, it, it, it was just baffling that like they just they went on vacation. Congress just bounced. They went on vacation without a deal. And I mean, it's like just losing faith in, in the entire system of our of our government. I, I was shocked that they just like <clears throat> I find it so ironic that they're sitting on a cushy salary. They've got health insurance. They've got pension. They've got all these things that that normal Americans would like to see from their jobs. And for them, it's so easy to just walk away and take a vacation while the rest, while the country is burning. I mean, it's 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 crazy that that's even that they can even do that. Well, they're in their districts right now, and hopefully, they're hearing the same thing. They're hearing everyone say, "Yo, get back there and fucking pass uh, a stimulus yeah. bill or recovery bill." Connection. Yeah, I I bet they're hearing that every day, yeah, all yeah. the time. I hope they are. Certainly, yeah. like uh, I've been pushing in any way I can. Uh, and hopefully reason will prevail. Uh, I just hope it doesn't require something uh, disastrous for reason to, to prevail over there. Well, they say about Americans, I think Churchill said this, you can count on America to always do the right thing once they've exhausted every other option. Yes. So right now they're going to exhaust the people somehow survive on nothing option. And yeah. they realize that doesn't, <laughs> yeah, that, exactly. that doesn't work. Uh, you know, the, the tough part is, so let's say that I was a, an, an awesome uh, spirited person and I ran for Congress and then I won and then I show up, it's like you show up and there's like all this entire giant hierarchy that's been built up. Mm -hmm. And then there are like mm -hmm. a couple of deal makers in your party and uh, you're like, Hey, I would like to make a deal, but I don't have control over yeah. my caucus. And then we have a few lead negotiators and the other party has lead negotiators in this, in this case, it was, you know, Mitch McConnell trying to rally the Republican senators and see if they can <laughs> reconcile it with Nancy Pelosi's, a uh, uh, house bill that was passed by the Democrats. And you go back to your district and, you're, and everyone's yelling at you and you're like, man, I, I, like, I can't get this thing done. I mean, part of the problem is that you have these two sides in Congress that uh, they can go home without a deal mm. uh, and then blame the other side and say, well, it was right, their fault. They didn't, yeah. they didn't mm -hmm. close the gap. Um, there's been a lot of talk I've seen of a four-day work week. That seems to be something that, that uh, you've been focusing a lot on lately. I'll tell you, from my experience, when I was working a desk job in Israel, I worked a normal office job five days a week, the whole nine to five, nine to six. And I was, that whole time, I was like, dude, I could, I could do this in four days easily. I mean, <laughs> when you're sitting at a desk, you waste so much time. And I always thought that that idea was brilliant because... It's got to do wonders for morale, right? I mean, have you been reading studies and literature about that? Yeah, the data is tremendous around a four-day work week. Uh, and it's also common sense because work kind of expands to fit into whatever time you have. You know what I mean? Like, if I give you a bunch of stuff to do and be like, you've got five days, it's going to take you five days. Right. If I say you've got this much to do and you have four days, exactly. it's only going to take you four days. Well, so. especially yeah. with the promise of an extra, you know, week. It's weekend. motivating. Yeah. You know, in yeah. Israel, we only have one day weekend. Mm. 
So, you know, it's funny when I moved here, I was like, this is like a dream. I love the, the long weekend. But um, I started to feel like, God, I wish I had one more day. One and more I started day. to feel guilty about that. And like, mm. I really can't get enough. Can I like... Wait, wait, but, tell me more. So Israel, <laughs> like, uh, this is a one-day weekend, which I'm guessing is Saturday. Yeah. yeah. So brutal, um, brutal. Sunday is the first day of the week. It's not Monday. So... That um, is wild. <laughs> How that... Like, I consider myself a fairly worldly, <laughs> cosmopolitan person, and I did not know that. Yeah. Um, school is Sunday through Friday, and These you only kids. have Saturday off. They yeah. go to school six days wow. a week. Can you imagine that hell? Yeah. <laughs> All right. I'm going to say something. Please don't judge me. Um, yeah. I went to a prep school that had classes on Saturdays. So I actually had oh like my the six God. You can't imagine that school though. week. And so I can't imagine it. And it was not pretty. <laughs> that's, that's for that's sure. horrible. <laughs> yeah. But so, I, I just read about it only recently because you've been talking about it. And I find the whole idea so interesting. And I think... I want to read more about it and learn what it really means. Because we actually have an, a business and we have maybe 20 employees. So we could decide to go that route for everyone. But I, I would have to know like what exactly it would mean. Yeah, you should uh, look into it for sure. Mm -hmm. uh, and then maybe even run like a trial. Mm -hmm. In your case, you, you'd run a trial. But the data is very positive where it says that productivity... Uh, either stays the same or goes up in the sense like you get the same amount of work done. Mm -hmm. uh, and then there are reduced stress levels, increased morale, like the people yeah. use that extra day off mm -hmm. uh, in a way that they find restorative mm -hmm. yeah. and uh, productive in like a you know personal way. Um, and so it's may, it's like upside on the personal side and the on the business side, the productivity side, uh, there's really no loss, and in some mm -hmm. cases, there 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 are positives. Right. So, uh, and to me, society wide too, America in particular, and you guys have like a very distinct uh, job, if I do say so. But you know, but, but like America generally has this uh, this workaholism problem, or mm -hmm. some one person called it workism, which is pro mm -hmm. probably a, like maybe a, a better name, um, where. Keynes projected decades ago, he said, we'll be down to a 15-hour work week because we'll be so rich. Uh, and it turns out his estimates of the top line were right. Like, we are as rich as he said we were going to be. Um, but our work week are actually migrating longer, not shorter, mm -hmm. uh, because of the nature of corporate culture and the economy where it's like you have to be always on and um, available and the work yeah. kind of creeps. Uh, and that is what's happening right now. And it's driving health problems, stress problems, relationship problems. Yeah. Uh, you know, like that. The, there are uh, a lot of signs already that uh, the American work culture has kind of morphed into something uh, not terribly healthy. And so, I think a four-day work week would be a massive improvement for many, many corporate cultures. And I gotta say, like a lot of the times, you're you're there, like you're not doing shit. No, like you know, probably like one day a week, you're just like, I didn't do shit today. I mean, I was, I probably was spending thirty hours a week on Reddit. <laughs> I've, I've, I've gone to pages of Reddit that men have never even known. I've been to <laughs> thousands of pages back, unknown pages of Reddit. 
<laughs> deep that, dives. That, that was my job. <laughs> yeah. when, when you were in Israel, you were like, someday I'm going to be a massive internet creator and I'm going to spend my time <laughs> mining like the deepest depths of the internet in preparation. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, it was crap. You know, in Finland... <laughs> In Finland, the prime minister had called for employers to allow employees to work not only four days, but six hours a day. So they are taking it to the next level. That's some next level stuff. <laughs> I, mean, I, 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 might not, I might not go to that, to, that extreme, but, uh, but I like where their heads are at. Right. Can but we I'll, just not work? Yeah. In Finland, they're saying no work. But, you know, uh, I'll tell you what, because as business owners, we're always thinking about like morale and you want to retain the good the, you want to retain the talent and make sure that they're happy and satisfied working there so mm -hmm. i'll tell you what on a four-day work week i don't think anyone's gonna leave your company <laughs> you know what i mean yeah i mean it sounds your exciting. morale and retention would be very very high i'm yeah. sure your your staff that are listening to this are like subtly nodding being like yes <laughs> yeah i don't i don't know <laughs> if i can do that for you dan and ian and zach because we have a production schedule. What can I do? I can't give you the... You know what I'm saying? I mean, I'm hey, sorry. I, I used to work in movies. This is, this is easy by comparison. There you go. That's so what you I don't like work us like uh, 14 hours days regularly. Well, and, and this yeah. is as someone... Because I've also run startups. And most of the startups I ran, uh, we worked our asses off. You know what yeah. I mean? So, like, it, so there, there isn't like... Uh, there, there isn't... Some something against hard work. I mean, I love I love working hard. Uh, you know, that was one of the funny things about running for president on universal basic income, where people are like, "Well, what about work?" And then, <laughs> and then, like, depending upon my mood, I would respond in different ways. But sometimes I'd be glib and be like, "I'm Asian. I love work." <laughs> and then people would uh, then you know back off a little bit, but uh, <laughs> but that that is one of the fallacies, right, about the UBI. People say. Oh, you're just not going to work. But the, I feel like that's such a misunderstanding of the human condition. I mean, nobody just wants to have no purpose in life. I mean, right. that's that's outrageous. Well, well, this is the thing that that like, you know, like makes makes you laugh is like they'll say two things simultaneously. One, work is the most important element of human life, and without it, we are lost. Hmm. And two. No one will want to do it if you give them a little bit of money. Great, yeah, <laughs> like, great, like, like those, great. Those, those point. two things don't really come together. It's like if it's so crucial, then wouldn't we do it anyway? Maybe I so, think, so slightly broadly defined. That's a great point. I feel like also the beautiful thing about UBI is that it goes to everyone at any different position that they are in life. So you could be having a crisis. You could be having a mental thing that doesn't allow you to work right now. Mm -hmm. You know, you could be having a physical injury that you can't work right now, even if you want to. So it reaches everyone at different places in their life, you know? Of course, yeah. Like, I mean, it's, yeah. it's funny that you're just thinking about this one situation where you're healthy and you do want to work, but, like, you're not going to work because you have money. Because you're getting a thousand dollars a month, yeah. Yeah. What if you have an ailing loved one? What if you have a, <laughs> yeah. you know, a young child or something? Or mental illness. Or or yeah. Like right now we have this incredible the pandemic. <laughs> or we have a yeah. Or you're in a pandemic. We have this homeless problem, homelessness problem that's just kind of crushing LA right now. And if you gave each homeless person a, if there was that bottom, you know, social safety net. I think you would see a lot, lot less, almost probably to zero 
in terms of homelessness, you know. Now, if you had that level of resources, you could reduce homelessness very, very dramatically. Uh, the issue it would be the transition because some of the people that are homeless right now are have mental health problems or drug addiction problems, mm. and then and and don't may not even have a bank account where it's like yes. trying to send you the money. Like, what, mm. what's going on? But over time, if you knew that everyone had this money that they were entitled to, then you would reduce homelessness pretty quickly because yeah. then it would just look around and be like, wait a minute, <laughs> like, like what's going on? This person has got like thousand yeah. dollars a, a year in value. Like, you know, I just need to freaking um, make sure that it's actually uh, working for them in a way. And and if, to the extent that people aren't in a position where it would work for them <clears throat> because of their own volition, like it'd actually be pretty straightforward to like help it work for them where you'd have like an organization being like right. for every homeless person I like bring into the shelter, like we're going to get thousands of dollars. <laughs> so like, like, let's go get that done. I mean, uh, it, it's, it, it is funny how uh, market driven everything is in the U S but if you give everyone intrinsic value, then all of a sudden like the, the market mm. value starts kicking in for people. Mm. <laughs> you know, the other, the other kind of nice thing I like about the four day week is something I, I always thought about when I was working in my, my desk job it's like you pointed out this kind of uh, workaholicness. I think it's kind of in Israel, it's the same, you know, in a lot of developed countries or around the world. I think people just have this um, overwhelming uh, pressure, social pressure to show how much they care about their job by working unreasonable hours. You know, it's like. In, in Europe, I was always blown away by the fact that people get, like, an entire month off, you know. and there's, August, freaking everyone disappears. I mean, that, that to me is, is unfathomable. That, uh, and then the thing that, that blew my mind is when you learned that, like, Chinese New Year, even in China, these people, people are getting a month off. You don't see that. Or two months off, even. In, in no. A month off. In America, we don't but have that. A little less than a month. We don't have yeah. that. <clears throat> they, they travel back to their hometowns in many yeah. cases. I think it's less than a month, but it's significant. Yeah. Um, though, though their work week, I think, is like the Israeli model of six days. <laughs> oh, really? Well, so, <laughs> so they, they work hard. They, they, but the thing is, in Israel, too, you don't have that. Well, you get holidays, but not like a designated time off. And no. so to me, it's like we, we as human beings need to be defined by more than just our jobs. Mm-hmm. Now, I think a four-day work week would be a massive value out of the United States, but I, I think that you know you wouldn't make it uh, one size fits all for every organization because I've been mm -hmm. parts of some organizations where you probably want to have uh, you know like a, a longer work schedule, and there are certain types of roles and um, where it makes sense. But I think as a default setting, where like the expectation is you have a four-day work week, I think mm -hmm. it would be a, an incredible improvement in large part because of what you just said ethan which is like what is the purpose of life yeah. um is it our job or is it something bigger uh that integrates a job includes a job but it's not like exclusively a job so uh the four-day work week is something that to me would actually make work like an appropriate <laughs> part of our lives right um mm -hmm. you know uh in a way that right now we have to be honest that it's just creeping upwards like it's it's going like from five plus into like that zone mm. uh and i'm a data guy and there are very very clear signs that right now it's 
having a damaging effect on our health, mental health, stress levels, relationships, family mm-hmm. formation. Um, and all of that stuff was pre-pandemic. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the post in the pandemic, uh, we just have to do anything we can to give people like a, a real sense of well-being, and, and even folks who are doing well, quote unquote, like relatively speaking, during this time, are not exactly like necessarily mentally mm. doing well. You know, there's just a lot of uh, there's a lot of stress right now. Um, that I think if you had a couple of days a week or three days a week where you were genuinely disengaged from work, it would be like enormously helpful for so many of us. Do you see yourself doing that? You know, it's funny. It's like it certainly sounded like I was talking about myself just then. Um, I mean, for, for me, I'm in a similar boat to you, I think, where you know, we're in a situation where we're just trying to do positive things and help people. Like, I'm very busy right now. Uh, you know, I just spoke at the DNC last night, and then I went and talked about my speaking at the DNC <laughs> <laughs> later, later in the night. Uh, so, uh, uh, you know, we're, we're distributing economic relief like you. We're working on this data project where we're trying to get people paid for their data. Um, I'm helping these down ballot candidates who are running on universal basic income because we got to try and mm. make it happen for folks. So I'm campaigning for them all the time. Uh, I'm campaigning for Joe and Kamala against Trump. So I'm busier than ever, and it's <laughs> cool in the sense that like the world is on fire, and I, I feel like uh, thanks to you and thanks to you, um, some other folks who believed in in me, like <laughs> no. I feel like I've got something of a fire extinguisher. Yeah, you know, yeah, world's on right. fire, and I got a fire extinguisher. That's great. Um, so, like, I better fucking try and put the fire out because you know it's like not everyone has a fire extinguisher. Um, it's just like you guys, where you looked up too. You were like, "Wow, there's a lot of freaking uh, need and suffering right now," and like yeah. I can help. So you tried to help. Like I'm in the same boat you are, where th- th- this is a time for me to. Like not worry too much about you know like you know my my own uh, like balance. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, 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 yeah. I mean, right. It's I think it's different for entrepreneurs or people who manage. I mean, obviously, it's it's important, but for people who don't have much of a choice in the matter, you know, who are expected yeah. to do things, you know, when you were you were running for president, you made it super far. What were you, like the fifth candidate? Around there, yeah, something like that. You don't remember the exact number? Well, there were different kinds uh, of polls. No, we, we could go, No, yeah, there were different levels oh, but I mean, and stuff. So I'm thinking oh, about see. the people over yeah. there were, uh, yeah, you were like, like, I'm, I might have been sixth. I like five, let's say five. <laughs> Top five, let's do yeah. it, why not? But I mean, I was Yang Gang all the way, I still am. <clears throat> when you left, the when you dropped out of the presidential race, you endorsed uh, Joe Biden, and you got a lot of shit for that. And I was fascinated by. The I res- do remember that. <laughs> I, mean, I, I, I was fascinated by the response of how people felt betrayed by the fact that you had endorsed Joe Biden. Well, I mean, wh- what was that experience like for you to get to have some of your uh, supporters turn on you? You know, I, I spent a full day or so just responding to people being like, hey, I understand why you're angry. Like, because uh, I appreciate everyone who supported me a great, great deal. Uh, and, you know, if they disagreed with my uh, my opinion and, or judgment or decision at that time, I just wanted to try and uh, explain. Um, and in my case, too, uh, 
Joe called me and asked me for my endorsement, and I, I essentially like I was like, look, I, I kind of want to uh, let this process play out, uh, and then I endorsed him when, um, to me, he was going to be the nominee, and I was like, all right, like I, I should do what I can to unify the party, right, mm-hmm. um, and and bring us together. Um, so I understood. I understood where people were coming from, uh, and I tried to address it and. Hopefully, over the past number of days and weeks, like you know, more people have um, come to understand like the situation we're in, and you know, like the, hopefully they're going to support Joe because to me it's Joe or Trump. And um, but I get it because I I was a burner. I like Bernie a lot, and mm. Bernie was right about so much. And so if someone was like "fuck you, Yang," like you know, like you, you like uh, in, endorse the wrong guy, I'd be like, I totally get it because. Like I love Bernie too, and like you know, mm-hmm. at like, that point he had pretty much had no chance of of winning. It was yeah, I, I I am the math guy. I saw the math, yeah. and I was like, this is not <laughs> this is not going to happen because yeah, like yeah. you know like like I'll put it in you know actual terms. He needed to win Michigan um, in a significant way to have a chance, and. And he did not. And mm-hmm. then, then I was like, this, this shit's over. Like, yeah. uh, you know, like, like a, I, because he, I, he like won Michigan uh, last time. Mm-hmm. So like you saw, ah. you know, like if, if he didn't win it mm-hmm. this time against Joe, it was, it was like, it, you know, there, there was no pass. Yeah. What is it like to get a call from Joe Biden asking for your endorsement? What does he say to you? Uh, he calls i mean he's joe so he's like he's like hey pal like you know <laughs> how are you like <laughs> you know like um like how's how's the family like you know we make small talk for a little bit and then he's like hey could really use your support like like we need you hmm. uh so and you told him let's hold okay. on that's pretty epic I, I, you, you, I, <laughs> I will i will say this and this is something that um so there are folks who are running who are politicians and some would take that as a pejorative, and I use it as a pejorative or mm. like a negative term myself mm. sometimes, like, ah, oh, politicians, you know, because I, I don't uh-huh. really consider myself much of a politician. Um, but there is something to be said for folks who are effective at reaching out and like calling and whatnot. And Joe's one of those people. Joe's mm. like a bridge builder and relationship builder. Um, so, it, you know, it's, and I, I have to say, like, when you get that phone call, like, it, it does make you like more likely to want to help the person, yeah. you know, yeah. you're like, Oh shit, you know, cause you're a human being and like the yeah. human being calls you and is like, Hey, you want to help? It'd be like, you know, you feel like a bit of an asshole being like, I mean, no, sorry, I can't dude, do it. So it's yeah. kind of amazing from what, like what, one or two years ago from where you were to getting a call from the vice president asking for your support. <laughs> I, and I'll say like, you know, Joe called me more than once too, you know? <laughs> so it's not even like there's like, you have his number, you have his cell number. Um, so Joe's not really the texting type. <laughs> How does it go? That, does, does, does the call come from like, I've got Joe, uh, I've got uh, the vice president on the in, phone for in, you. In, in his case, it's like, I've got the vice president yeah. for you, yeah. I think. Um, yeah, in that sense. Some of the other candidates, you know, we, we actually do text, like we've got each other's cell phone numbers. Um, but but Joe, you know, like Joe. He's old school. Tr- traded numbers. Yeah, it's like, you know, he had like the um, Once the you've team. been, but, yeah. But I, d- I did get it, and That's you're right cool. too that that like the ascent um, was, uh, you know, very dramatic and, and rapid. Again, largely thanks to people like you and Hila who understood uh, the problems I was trying to solve and like the approach I was taking and and had like the vision. I mean, I, I uh, super appreciative to both of you because you're so human, and there's something about 
some of the roles that we all have where, uh, and you, you know, so, you know, not, you remember your office job in Israel and whatnot. And like, you weren't being paid to be like ultra human <laughs> at that time. You were being paid to like do whatever the heck the role they needed you to do for, uh, X days. And it, it took people like you getting behind me to get me to a point where I could make a positive difference. Uh, it's one reason I'm glad I'm thrilled to be back with you all because, um, yeah, it's, it, well, you know, I, I mean, I just love and appreciate both of you and, feel like we're in a similar boat where you're looking around the world just saying like is this really where we are and yeah you know, like let's try and move it move it in a better direction are we looking at a cabinet position what's going on here <laughs> uh so that's there's absolutely nothing's been you know uh discussed in like a hyper official level but unofficially um, in the conversations we've had, people are like, we'd love to have you on the team, we'd love to ooh, work with ooh, you, like, think, things like that. I love so, that. We would love what do so, you want to so be? There, what's, your dream, what's your dream position there? So what I've been saying uh, to folks is that I want to try and speed us up on these technology issues. And, and we could, you know, I think the three of us could talk about this stuff for hours. But our government is just so out to launch on technology <laughs> issues. Mm. Uh, mm-hmm. And so... That could be AI, that could be the selling and reselling of our data, that mm. could be mm. uh, media and social media, that could be mental health issues that are attendant with smartphone adoption on the part of teenage girls. Does that, like, yeah. There are all of these issues. Does that cabinet position even exist? It does not. <laughs> right, uh, and there, so that's the part. <laughs> uh, but there, there's an advantage there because... Uh, if they created a new role for me, then it's not like they'd be blocking anyone out because it's not like there are like 15 people being like, hey, I really want to be can we Secretary new, of Innovation and Technology. Can we create a new cabinet uh, branch? Yes, that is something. So, yeah, you can. That's the short answer. I mean, mm. that that seems like a great, a great place to go in perfect Yang style. Cabinet of Technology. Mm, Secretary of Technology. Secretary of Technology and Innovation. Actually, the Washington yes. Post just just put that out there today. They said, "Here's the cabinet we recommend," and they said Andrew Yang, oh. uh, like a Secretary of Technology and Innovation that that's advises awesome. all of the other uh, cabinet uh, members. That's oh so my cool. God, that would be amazing. I'm lobbying for that from now on. <laughs> Can we do anything? I, think, I actually think Joe would. Could, I think Joe could garner a lot of of uh, support. By, by making that happen. Do we have any input in making that happen? Like, can we do anything? <laughs> well, if, if people were to, if there was a groundswell of support being like, hey, Joe, like, if you signal to everyone that you're going to name Andrew the Secretary of Technology and Innovation, it would help us vote for you. Um, they might do it because there's no reason not to, really. I mean, mm-hmm. like, again, it's not like a role that exists presently and so you know it would make him seem forward thinking so if enough people and this stuff you know it's not uh that under the radar in the sense again the washington post just recommended it yeah so and when i've spoken to people that like me they were like well this like makes me more excited about joe if yeah bring you on in this capacity yeah totally okay let me move on to another controversy cnn the ultimate betrayal (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so after the uh, after the uh, after you dropped out, you then you took a um, position at CNN as a how how, how is it called? It's like a political commentator. Yeah. Or something like that. 
Which, by the way, I love seeing you on there. I'm, yeah, I'm just kidding. I'm not. I'm not criticizing you. But again, that was another thing where people are like, "Oh, Yang is working at CNN. He's just he. It's a total betrayal." <laughs> what do you say to that? What do you say to people who say that? Because a lot of people say CC eh, C CNN as uh, fake news, right? <laughs> so yeah, I know it's hard to say C CNN. So what do you say um, to that? This is another thing where I, I kind of sympathize in the sense that when I was the Mavericky outsider presidential candidate, you know, like a lot of the media organizations, uh, you know, kind of marginalized me at various points. Uh, and there are some people that are very skeptical uh, of the news media. In my case, when they asked me, said, hey, do you want to come on and talk about the debates? Um, it was like a short term offer and deal. And to me, it was like, initially, I was like, Oh, this can be something where I keep my, uh, I keep my voice out there and yeah. like, hopefully mm -hmm. try and do something positive. Um, particularly because of the, the campaign ends, you know, you're like thinking, okay, like, I'm going to start an organization and do these things. But like, it seemed like a way to maintain a place in the public eye. Um, mm. And then, and initially, I was like, well, I don't know, who knows how long this will go for. Maybe I don't like it. Maybe they don't like me. Um, and then they said to me very quickly thereafter, they were like, hey, like, we like you. You know, you want to make this like a little bit um, more longstanding. Uh, so I would understand, again, skepticism where people are like, hey, like, you know, screw the media. Um, in my case, it's like, uh, well, I used to literally like be like fight to try and get on these networks mm -hmm. and be like, please, please like get me on. <laughs> now they pay you. <laughs> <laughs> and then now they'll like have me on and I can hopefully both push ideas that I think are important. But the other thing is that uh, like I, I thought it was very helpful to normalize me f to more Americans because if you mm -hmm. look up, we had like a Donald Trump in the White House in part because he was in everyone's living rooms for years. It's like you're fired and like this apprentice nonsense. And then people were like, oh, he's like the boss, like, you know, and <laughs> then sort of, sort of like life imitating reality where it's like we should make that guy president. Uh, so like I started out as such the um outsider figure that i thought that if i could become more familiar to more americans where it's like oh i trust that guy you know he's like uh mm. and I then for, for some people that are like listening to this being like oh, i would never trust anyone on that but you know there are many americans who who would trust someone more if they uh, were on their tv set consistently for mm. a period of time i love um, it whenever i see you there it brings a smile on my face because <laughs> oh, usually thanks you. that makes me so happy that <laughs> yeah, me too. Well, usually it's like yeah. so depressing having this stuff on and um it, i don't know it's just it it feels so repetitive and you know what they're gonna say but you always have this freshness about you and you just talk simply and it makes sense and you got good ideas so well thanks you <laughs> yeah i agree totally. like, was, like uh, uh, yeah so <laughs> It's been uh, it's been an interesting experience for me because uh, like I had never really done that kind of media pre my presidential run, um, but I'm glad that you find my presence uplifting and that I say something yeah. reasonably. Uh, I think you make a really good point though happy. because it's like if you think CNN is fake news and full of all this crap, why don't we get someone on there who you know can bring a dose of uh, reality and realism to it, right? So right. maybe. Because they don't, do they give you notes? Are they like, yo, here's our talking points. We got to stick to this. Like, mm. is there any kind of shadowy behind the scenes shit going on? 
Uh, there has not been where I'm concerned. Mm-hmm. You yeah. know, they just stick a mic in my face and being like, Andrew, what did you think it just happened? And then mm-hmm. I like say something and then, you know, like I, no I've memos. Gotten z- I've gotten zero uh, direction and zero feedback. There has never been any like, hey, Yang, like settle right. that shit down or, you know, mm-hmm. like. Or like you know, you said Tulsi Gabbard's name, or like, <laughs> like, like there's been zero of that. Mm. It's it's been always like you're clear, get lost. <laughs> so, um, so so that that's also something you know. It's like it it's felt positive where just this week at the uh, DNC or whatever, I thought like AOC had been uh, miscast, frankly, like and and underutilized, and then. Getting the chance to say that on CNN, I was like, "Oh, this is great! Like, I'm really excited. I can actually point out something. I think it's like a real problem with what, um, you know, with the decision that was made." Um, yeah. So uh, I, I've hopefully people like still feel like it's me. I guess like that I haven't become some. Definitely, um, I can say as a supporter. I mean, that that yeah, it's it's Yang on TV. How's that? Is that a good job? They pay you all right. <laughs> it's not it's not uh, you know it's no teddy fresh but uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh but you know i mean they they do they they do pay me every month and uh, you how, know, did, now, how does I it mean, work th- do, they, do you just on call from a certain i've always wondered how those jobs work because they have shows they have different like commentators and then they bring in the people to do the the, the co-commentary so are you on call a certain hours a day and then they zap you in how does that work yeah, I I never knew how it worked either, and I'm still not sure if this is how it works for everyone. But I'll tell you how it works for me. So so, so they say is they say, hey, um, just be available, and then I'll get a ping from someone, typically at least 24 hours in advance, saying like this show would like to have you on uh, to talk about something that happened uh, or something in my wheelhouse. Um, and then the other thing that will happen was they'll be like, hey, there is this occasion, let's call it the D- the Democratic National Convention, where we want you on every night from this to, mm. to this. So those are like the two types of do they, um, contacts I get. So do they pay you a retainer or do you get paid more the more airtime you get? I get a retainer. So mm. like it's the expectation is just that, you know, if, if they ask me to do something that I'll be reasonably available. Mm. But if if Very I say cool. like, hey, yeah, I'm that seems not, like a good job. I'm just, yeah. I'm just not free that day. Then they'll be like, all right, let's go away. It's like, wow, that's so, awesome. So really congratulations. Cool. Me. I, I mean, congratulations really on the job. I think it's yeah. great, and I'm happy you're doing it. Uh, USPS. Why do we? Why should we burn USPS to the ground, Andrew? <laughs> Tell me what should we do about USPS? Do we destroy <laughs> it? Do we dismantle it? It's not profitable. No, it, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's, that's really the summary, Ethan. It's like an American life. It doesn't make money, kill it. If you don't make money, you're an infant, die. You know, it's like whatever the heck the problem is. I mean, that that's pretty much where we've gotten to in American life now, where like we're trying just trying to turn everything into an economic instrument, and if like it, it's not uh, profitable, then you know it should stop existing. Uh, so the post office, I will say, I think that. Uh, the, the attack on the post office stuff, like I don't think it's going to um, impact the fundamental operations of, of the post office. But hmm. it is true that we, we need to um, we need to fund the post office to a higher degree and just accept that, look, it could be that mail does not make money uh, on a, you know, an, an, on an annual basis. 
Uh, and there are ton, there are tons of things that we do that make our post office less competitive anyway. It's like expecting it to make money and then keeping it from doing things that could make money is just so dumb. And I don't know if Israel's really smart, so you probably already do this, but like in a lot of countries, they give the post office other shit to do. You know, it's like you can do like basic banking services from the post office. Like there are, oh. there are things you can do here in the US, it'd be like, well, you can't do that because it would compete with like the check cashers <laughs> or, or, or whatever, like these these private firms that do various like you can do a lot of routine stuff in post offices around the mm. world in the US. Yeah. Like you they, you know, there are real restrictions on all of that stuff. That's true. I think you can do some stuff. I can't remember right now. I think you can have yeah. a checking cut. You can convert money. Right. Stuff like that. But I but look, it's in the name. It says postal service. It's a service. Yeah, it's it's literally just something that's supposed to be uh provided to us. Uh and I saw something that was really interesting where we invested a ton in the post office early on just to connect communities. You know, like that where literally you had these frontier settlements <laughs> right? and you had to like have some dude on a horse and like a yeah. sack of mail, like getting them their, their mail. Like there were massive investments just to try and connect people. Mm. And that connectivity helped lead to trillions of dollars in economic development mm. over time. Uh, and then at some point we turned on it. We're like, you got to make money like every day. <laughs> you know, It's just like, it's like an investment in civilization. <laughs> right. And I mean, if you deliver a letter to the middle of like uh, some super remote location in Nebraska, I mean, there's just there's no way that that will ever be profitable, you know, but we do it to keep our country modern and connected. It's like you said, and, civilization. And that post office in Nebraska is a freaking hub for that town, you know, like that, mm. like they literally go in and it's one reason why I think having different purposes for the post office could be so important. There's another informal gathering space that I think could be key uh, in a lot of communities, and that's the town library. Mm. And it's like, how the hell do town libraries, you know, <laughs> quote, unquote, make money? <laughs> it's, it's like you go in there, they right. like freaking charge you an arm and a leg for like borrowing that children's book. <laughs> um, but, but one of the things that the town library could mm. do uh, is to try and replace some of the thousand plus local newspapers that have gone out of business in the United States because mm -hmm. all the content got digitized and you can't make money off of uh, classified ads anymore because it all went to the it went to Craigslist. Uh, and so what happens is you get rid of the local paper in a town, which is terrible and it's bad for democracy. And like, how can you vote on what's going on in your town if literally no one's even covering what's going on in your town? It's very important mm -hmm. for identity to have some kind of local publication. Mm -hmm. But in towns where the local paper uh, got eliminated, what happened was the town library often ended up putting up like a bulletin board or like a community board that becomes the de facto what is going on in my town situation. So you can imagine like a revved up version of a town bulletin board coming out of town libraries. Hmm. Um, like like there, there are things we need to invest in uh, in a lot of these communities that are getting decimated right now because they don't make money. Hmm. Wow. That's... I mean, that's sad, and I think it's something we really need to kind of change in how we view a lot of things, that not everything's going to make money. I mean, geez, how do we convince ourselves that this was this was the right way to evaluate things? I mean, it's wild. I mean, US, it's been a... 
Yeah, it's I been mean, like a massive conditioning <laughs> of, of American culture I mean, what, what does over it the say, last 40 years. What does it say about human beings as workers? You know, if, if, you, if you can't look at anything and not see its value if it doesn't make money, what does it say about human beings? Well, this is what I was running on before was that I, I knew that we'd been conditioned to think that we all needed to be economically productive. And then I said, you know what? Technology is going to surpass our productivity in a lot of these arenas mm-hmm. pretty quick. And if we don't start evaluating ourselves in a different way, then it's going to lead to disaster. And now we're seeing some version of it um, with the pandemic. Uh, and so I think universal basic income would very quickly disentangle uh, this confusion, the, the the mixing of economic value and human value. Because if you all just start getting money for breathing, for living, for existing, then you can start to feel like, okay, we all have some worth that's independent of mm. uh, how much money I'm making at any moment in time. Mm. Uh, and then that alone would humanize your perspective really quickly. Mm-hmm. Do you, uh, are you, you, I know you've already endorsed Joe Biden. But is there any chance we can get you to vote for Kanye 2020 vision? (laughs) 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 Oh, I'll tell you guys a story because it's fun. But like um, a mutual friend actually connected me with Kanye on the cell phone. And so like uh, he was just like, hey, I wanted to connect you with Kanye because he wanted me to talk to Kanye about his run Hmm. uh, because, you know, I ran for president. It's like if anyone's going to tell Kanye what the presidential deal was. Um, so then Kanye called me. I missed the call. And I called, so I played phone tag with Kanye. And I got like a text message from him. And uh, and then, um, you know, and I was like, you know, like, okay. Like if, if he wants to connect, it'd be all good. And we have some mutual friends. Um, uh, that, you know, obviously like the friend that put us in touch was one and then I have others too. Uh, so, uh, you know, Kanye is a creative genius and uh, – <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, I'm definitely not going to be voting for it, but you know, like, I'm a lot of... That's interesting. You guys never connected. I would. I wish you guys connected. I'd love to hear that. You know, you know what I should do right now is I should fucking call, call Kanye him. while we're on this RS. Call him. Like, hey, what's up? Yeah. I missed each other's calls. would appreciate calls. that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, try to get him on FaceTime. He, uh, would you mind giving his phone number to Ian? Ian, our 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 uh, employee, is a huge Kanye fan. Ian, is there anything cool. you want? Uh, I d- don't meet your idols, you know. Uh, Ian, is there anything you want Yang to text Kanye? Let's see if I have this shit in my phone. Hang on. Ask him where the album is. That's it. Okay, wow. it's 307. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Steve Bannon just went to prison for the great Build the Wall. I got to say, Build the Wall, it's so funny how it quickly went from Mexico will pay for the wall to <laughs> will pay for the wall to I'll just I'll 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 just keep the money. <laughs> There's no wall. I'll just Mexico keep the money. pay for the wall. To how about you pay for the wall? <laughs> to how about you pay <laughs> how me? About I take the <laughs> yeah. money, and then I spend hundreds of thousands of dollars. Of it I mean, it's myself. it's it's incredible that. Um, were you blown away by that build the wall GoFundMe? Because when that came out, it was blowing my mind. I mean, it was just it was so active. I could not. Believe, I saw people saying, "I just donated my entire tax refund, three thousand dollars." And these are not rich people, right? 
I'm sure they could have really used that money, especially now. And like $25 million, how many, how much wall does that get you? Like quarter mile, you know? <laughs> I have to, I, so I did this exercise when I was trying to figure out what was going on with like the truckers and like how much it would cost to lay a highway across the country that would just accommodate robot trucks. I was trying to figure oh. out mm. like, like if, if you're going to save tens of billions of dollars a year, like would it just pay, pay off just to like make a, a highway that's like eight lines wide that's just for robot trucks mm. and i did the math and it turns out yeah you could you it actually would pay for itself if you just decided to fucking like mm. just <laughs> like like lay the robot super highway and just wait how much would have it the cost? robot trucks go back and forth um it, it costs somewhere in like the uh, the low billions uh, that's it so you get your money back um over time wait um, when you so say low wait, same- when you say low billions are we talking like like below five hundred. What does that mean? Low billions. What's what's well? So give me a so I, I was like one. So two? it was, uh, and so I, I you know I haven't done the math in a while, but uh, <laughs> like uh, I was <laughs> I was trying to figure out. It's like so this the cost savings around uh, automated trucking are tens of billions of dollars a year, and. But the main impediment is our infrastructure because, like, we have mm. you know, like highway problems, and you also have this uh, political problem that if you had a robot truck that uh, killed someone on the the highway, then right. people would be like, "Oh, like you know, fuck the robot trucks." Um, so then I was like, "Okay, like, c- like, could you make it so there was no pedestrian traffic on this highway?" Um, by just making a new highway. And I was like, how expensive is it to make a new highway in the United States of America? So, like, I found out what, like, the per mile was. And then I, <laughs> like, did, like, the thousands of miles. But that, and the, see, but that's the rest the, of it. So, the so then, of, like, you do a similar estimate for the wall is where I was going. Uh-huh. It was like, how much does it cost to make a wall over, like, <laughs> like how long? It's like, what a, what kind of wall can I get for $25 million? Not much of a wall, eh? I mean, I'd, I'd love to see what the, and, and the, 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 I mean, all of its averages, because like there's certain parts where you get a lot of wall for that much money, because like the train's really nice. And then other places you could be like, I can't build a fucking wall here. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, like you'd have to find like the most opportune place. And anyway, um, well, it is fantastic. I think that they ended up just pocket. I mean, they didn't really pocket the money, but they like bought a boat. They were, they actually, well, Steve Bannon got charged for um, laundering money and wire fraud. So they were like, we're laundering the money. They were funneling it, and like the guy who set up the foundation bought a boat. It was fucking awesome. Like, there's always a boat involved. <laughs> yeah, there's it's always like, a boat involved. Know, like, that's that's <laughs> that's the cardinal rule, isn't it? Oh, so yeah, funny. it's like you like you know, I did something <laughs> illicit. If I just turn up and be like, hey, you gotta come see the boat. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and, exactly. And it always has some name that's somehow related to some shady way I made the money. Being like, you know. Steve, Steve Bannon got arrested on a boat. Even oh, he was on the boat when he was arrested. Wow. It, was, it wasn't uh, his own boat. He was on. It was actually weird twist to the story. He was on some Chinese billionaire's boat, and of they they boarded the boat and arrested him out on the high seas. It was like an interception. <laughs> what the heck? Yeah, very crazy. That's wild. That you know, that sounds like a movie scene. Yeah, awesome. it does. There could totally. be like, like Chris Hemsworth like comes down to like the. <laughs> They should have sent Chris Hemsworth to arrest him. That would have been awesome. Yeah, I see a true documentary coming out about this called Build the Wall or something about, like, the high crime documentary. <laughs> Andrew, if you get this cabinet position, which we're all hoping for, tell me tell me what are the first things that you think, like, you're sitting down in America, you're part of, of the president's cabinet. What do we need to do first? What is the most pressing things we need to address in this country, America? 
I mean, clearly it's cash relief and universal basic income. You know, it's like that's just like the simple thing. Um, it sounds, you know, that's to me the single best thing we could do for people. So let's if say, you say if let's, you say something technology related, then I, I you know, I, I I'd actually choose something related, which is what we talked about earlier around the fact that we didn't actually have a system set up to get people money. So hmm. we use the IRS check distribution system. Um, and I think it's bad for our confidence in our government that it sucks so bad at a lot of these things <laughs> where like if you go to uh, your bank's website or whatever, you just expect it to work mm. generally at a certain level. Um, and then so you'd be like, well, why doesn't the government have something? So one thing I'd love to invest in would be essentially a citizen portal mm. where if there was something like we're trying to get you money or trying to get you information or so the lamest version of this would be a citizen portal where it's essentially like here are all of these links to other fucking government websites that you can go to. Like that would be the the absolute worst version. The best version would be so, so <laughs> you know what I mean. Like one of those boards yeah. where it's like here's a freaking flurry of uh, websites to go to. Fuck you. But no. Um, and then, but but like the, the, like the the good version would be like a a slick interface where you know like the information from let's call it your tax returns uh, or uh, from uh, the passport office or wherever the heck like could actually be compiled. Uh, because part of the thing that makes me angry right now is that like you're hearing a lot of messages from folks all the time associated with politics, which is like, trust us, trust us, you got to trust us. And it's like, well, like you guys don't really deliver <laughs> at the same level as like some of the other organizations I'm used to interacting with. Um, so I would love to try and help the government deliver at like uh, on a technical level because I think it would be enormous for our confidence. Mm. Uh, so that would be something I would love to, especially if it was tied to universal basic income because I think that there is a relationship where um, we need to actually know who you are, know how to get you money, mm -hmm. have to have some kind of secure relationship with you and interface with you if we're going to try and you know add value. Don't you think the big problem is that all of our elected officials and even, you know, uh, Joe Biden, I mean, how old is Joe? He's like 74 or something like that. I mean, um, I think I think he's uh, like 76 or 77. I think um, I, I don't want to misspeak. I should know that. I he's mean, he's in his. Like, you know, yeah. OK. Oh, are you looking it up? OK. Let's see. I mean, maybe one of your team can. Yeah. Look it up, uh, Zach. He's uh, 77 years old. Whoa. Yeah. So, wow. <laughs> um, so don't you think that's the, it, we need young people who understand this. Like a 70, I know 77 year old people. They're not interested in cash app. Do you know what I mean? They understand checks and that's not their fault. It's just mm -hmm. the way it is. But I think like we have this tendency of electing, especially lately, old people to office. Even Donald Trump is in his 70s, right? He's like 72, 73 years old. I mean, these, although he's a little. He's 74? To be, oh, 74. Check that one too. Somehow he doesn't, somehow Trump, I guess he's maybe got a young. He's got a young energy by yeah, being such an asshole. Yeah. He's got that asshole energy that right. you associate he does. with. <laughs> he, do, he does a lot, I think. He does a lot with this. He does like a spray tan and the he hair. Just, he's used to the cameras. I think he just, on camera, I think he comes off like that. Obviously, I never met him in person, but I have a feeling if you saw him in person, he would look that age mm. to you. I do give him credit. He is he has a more youthful uh, spirit for whatever reason. 
and he's on Twitter. That's pretty. That's, that's pretty epic. True. But that being said, I don't think Trump uses Cash App either. And so what we need is pe- is is younger people. I really truly think we just need younger people, and that's one of the reasons. Not that was one of the reasons why I liked you, right? And one of the reasons I like AOC is that we just like AOC does Instagram Live every like super frequently to talk directly with her. Uh, People, yeah, yeah. She's, she's she's like a digital native. Uh, I think the average age of a member of Congress is sixty-two. To your point, Ethan. So it's right. not just presidential candidates. Right. Mm-hmm. Someone called it a gerontocracy. It's like mm. a rule by the old. We essentially have a gerontocracy in the United States of America for a number of reasons. Uh, uh, one of the main reasons is that after you get into Washington, you just try and stay there forever, mm. uh, and it's actually very hard to defeat an incumbent. <laughs> so you have folks uh, like. Um, Nancy Pelosi, I believe, is uh, around Joe's age, um, and, and she looks great. But she you know, does. Like I the, agree. But, but, our, yeah. but our leaders are of another generation uh, because of the way the structure this is the, the the structures are set up, and it's one reason why I'm for term limits, um, where mm. you should go to D.C. as a term of service, get something done, and then get out. Uh, mm-hmm. And it would help keep our legislators more current and fresh and modern, to your point, Ethan, mm-hmm. because if you go to D.C., you'll find it is not exactly a tech-friendly town. Uh, you know, like, like you go, I'll tell a story that was going to make you angry, but it'll be totally consistent with your understanding of the world. Um, <laughs> so uh, so I was on the trail, and then there was like this uh, uh, Asian kid, he's like, you know, mid-20s maybe, um, and he interned at his congressional office, and then they ha- asked him to like uh, do do something um, uh, like answering messages or data related, like in the office. And he was smart, so he set up like a program to like automate the process <laughs> and make it so that okay, like this thing will like happen more seamlessly and like you know like less labor. Um, this will be great. And then they yelled at him for it and said, like, no, we didn't want you to do that. Like, uh, <laughs> like we're, we're, we actually preferred the way that, like, the other person uh, could just understand and just, like, sit there and, like, just peck at it um, all the time. And he was like, what the hell is going on? And this is, like, a congressional <laughs> office. And so he left. He now works at Facebook. He, like, went and worked in D.C. for, like, a summer, was like, they are freaking stuck in, like, the Stone Age. Let me get the hell out of here. And then he, like, pieced out to... Silicon Valley. So like that that is the mm-hmm. general culture in DC where you go there and you feel like you just rewound mm. uh, like a, a number of years. And if you go into some of these government agencies, it's much, much worse because uh, some of them have been underfunded. So you have like very strange patchwork technologies uh, from past years. Uh, you know, like, I mean, I might be exaggerating, but probably not by much, but like Windows like 2005 or whatever, like you mm-hmm. go in and they'll just be <laughs> stuff all over um in in different uh, different government organizations so it so that's that's the government we have um and like you said before it's like not really anyone's fault um but we need to try and speed them up mm-hmm. um and if i'm in position to try and move that in a better direction like i've taken and do everything i could it sounds really we have to. necessary. Yeah, we have to do that. I mean, I think the I think the problem is that the rate of technology has sur- has passed our our people. It's been going so fast that it's past them, right? When Joe Biden was a when in his forties, 
even 50s, like 25, 26, 7 years ago, it was, uh, we were 1995. I mean, I don't even know that smartphones were popular then. I don't think, no, not even close. They, they were not. Not no. even close, right? So, I mean, in in his own experience in, in government, the technology has ran around him like 30 times. So yeah, it's a new well, they, it's a new world. They got rid of the Office of Technology Assessment in 1995, the year you just the described. The perfect time oh. to get rid of it. <laughs> yeah, they, they had a they had a department that advised members of Congress on what technology issues you know they should care about and like huh. the opinions like why you know, the why did they do that? Um, why did they get rid of the Office of Technology yeah. Assessment? Uh, you know, like. It, it, it was like to quote unquote save money, which is like the most asinine thing in the world because right. the budget of the entire thing was like twenty five million. It was like a fucking yeah. drop in the bucket. You just had some smart people around telling you it's like, hey, so you know where uh, legislators get their technology guidance from now? The technology companies. And the technology companies are yeah. like do absolutely nothing because everything right. is perfect. And then the legislators are like, yeah, that sounds about right. <laughs> so so that, they're like perfect. That yeah, that whatever requires the least of me. Yeah. So, and especially I mean, the, the if you're donating twenty five million dollars to my campaign, that's fantastic. There was a period, and it's been interesting to see the pendulum swing somewhat. So, uh, Silicon Valley could do no wrong for a long time, where DC is concerned. There's like, oh, you're like the innovators, you're the super value creators, and you're rich as fuck, and you donate to my campaign. So let's just like, <laughs> like leave you the heck alone and just sing your praises every chance we get. Uh, and then that pendulum has swung because of uh, like uh, Facebook screwing some things Bizarre. up and, uh, and and some other problems. Uh, so now everyone's starting to turn on, turn towards them and be like, wait a minute. Like, mm. <laughs> you know, is, is this really been like cool that Amazon is, you know, like, uh, so one of the things that I think Amazon did wrong there, you know, a bunch of things, but like there's diapers.com where they just lost money on diapers for a while just to like force diapers.com to sell yeah. to them. Like, like, like Amazon did that sort of thing. Uh, um, so which, just... Which, just because I don't, I, I know about that story. Correct me if I'm What's wrong. What's the story? I didn't so hear. they basically, like diapers.com was a popular website. They're selling lots of diapers. Amazon lowered their price below that to the point where they were losing money hmm. just to put them out of business. Hmm. And then they raised their prices back up when they go that's under. That's not cool. No, yeah, I, no, I think, no, it's, it's, I think just that's to, a, so they go out of business. It was like they come to diapers.com and be like, hey, guys, you guys are awesome. How about we buy you? Over. Mm -hmm. And then diapers.com is like, no. And then Amazon's like, oh, we'll see about this. <laughs> then they lowered prices to a point wow. where diapers.com was like hemorrhaging money. And then they were like, okay, I guess we will sell to you now. And then Amazon's like, that's what I thought. And then as soon as they buy them, then the prices go back up. That's a, that should be, is that illegal? Um, that is illegal, yes. Uh, or it's illegal in the, in the sense that it's uh, anti-competitive behavior. It's oh, against okay. antitrust law. Um, so so that sort of thing has been coming out now. It, it's something similar with, and this was like to me the biggest nonsense, was when uh, Mark Zuckerberg uh, was asked like, hey, um, the people, the founders of Instagram are worried that if they didn't sell to you that you were going to try and uh, uh, put them out of business and out compete with them. Go into uh, destroy mode, I think was the, the term they used. <laughs> destroy mode. And then Mark was like, no, I never would have done that. And then, like, right. we all know, it's like, like if Instagram had it sold to, to Facebook, you know there would have been a freaking like Instagram clone out like that. Yeah. Uh, and so, so that this is officially 
you know, it, it violates antitrust law to, to do certain mm. anti-competitive things uh, like that. But the, the reality is like, of course, that, you know, if you're in that industry, like you're going to do everything you can to try and crush anyone who could potentially end up uh, taking your business. I think you have to assume there's a lot of that going on we don't know of. With I mean, any company that gets to be that big, you're looking at the Microsofts, you're looking at the Amazons, you're looking at the Facebooks. I mean, you can't, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. Can you get to be that big of a company without antitrust violations? Without some anti-competitive yeah. anti behavior? Yeah. It would be difficult. Uh, and the, the thing that most people don't realize now, and, and this is one reason why I think universe-based income is so vital among others, uh, is that some of these companies have essentially just like left orbit in terms of business physics. Hmm. Like you, you think, okay, like I'm a company, I need to like, you know, be efficient and treat my workers well and like sell sell things at a profit. There are some companies that at this point are just like, <laughs> like hmm. I'm worth a trillion dollars. I don't yeah. even need to make money. Nothing matters. Hmm. Like what's that? You're like a cool startup. Like I can buy you for $400 million and everyone's rich and I don't even care. Like, like right. they're just so <laughs> unfathomably big. That, like that, 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 like nothing applies. I think Tim O'Reilly called it like super money. It's like <laughs> at some point you just get super money, and then like nothing matters. And then we still try and pretend. And what was funny is when they got brought into Congress, like they pretend too. It's like, oh, we started in the scrappy company. They're like, they, 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 it's like freaking. At this point, they're almost like countries unto themselves. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, they're like so, they're just so staggeringly, enormously. Wealthy, and they have now at this point their stock market valuations are propped up in so many ways that they can almost do no wrong. Uh, and uh, in, in that environment, they're just going to keep sucking up more and more value. Like that, the thing I kept saying to folks on the trail was like, "Look, Amazon's worth a trillion bucks, paid zero in taxes, soaking up twenty billion dollars a year in commerce, closing thirty percent of your stores and malls, and that was pre-crisis." It's like. You know, these this thing's like a black hole. So it's just going to just suck more and more value in. And we're not going to see anything coming out. Um, and you think it's like, oh, it's because they're like out competing. At some point, they just left orbit. And it and the, the funny thing about Amazon is like there have been periods in its past where it didn't even make money. But at this point, you look at it and being like, like there was a Walmart executive who complained to me. He said, how can you compete against a company that doesn't even need to make money? Mm. <laughs> and, and, and this was Walmart, which is sort of ironic because right. yeah. Walmart They're obviously huge. like crushed every yeah. like mom and pop retailer in its past. Now he's complaining about Amazon. That's beautiful. But yeah, like I joked with the Walmart folks. It's like they were like the tanks that came to American communities around the country and just like ran over every mom and pop. And then they were like, we did it. We conquered America. And then Amazon's like a fucking spaceship <laughs> like hovering over them. It's like, we don't need to obey the laws of gravity anymore. And then like Walmart's looking up being like, what do we do? And then you have our government over here and like they're just like, you know, the, the government doesn't understand what is going on and just looking up being like, yeah, like Amazon's a company like any other. <laughs> That's like the... It's it yeah they have their own I mean, I mean if you look at what's going on with Amazon like Jeff Bezos is so rich he bought the Washington Post with essentially like pocket change from his couch mm. <laughs> mm. like you know like the Washington Post is a very very influential publication that happens mm -hmm. to be like the main 
mm-hmm. news source in our nation's capital. Like, do you think that? Yeah, you know, he literally, and and he has been relatively hands off. Like he he has he doesn't go in and be like right about this, right about that. But it it is it's telling. It's that like Amazon up here, Jeff Bezos yeah. like you know uh, up here, and then like you know our nation's major media like news source for our legislators was like down here, and he was like yeah like sure. <laughs> he just like like took a couple hundred million out of the couch and just, you know, I mean, he's worth at this point hundreds of billions. Anyway, sorry. That, no, that was, like, that was oh, fascinating. Really and and I think it under, really, too. it's terrifying. <laughs> I think that analogy of, it's like Walmart came in with the tanks and, but they weren't thinking big enough. And Amazon came in with the UFO spaceship and just zapped them. I keep thinking about the video games you play when you're like, you keep Upgrade. finishing and you replay it again with all the upgrades. Oh yeah, just way stronger every time. <laughs> like, yeah, ridiculously I just strong. Want to wrap this story because it's to me is interesting. So the founder, one of the founders of Diapers.com, was a guy named Mark Lore. So then Amazon crushes Diapers.com, absorbs them. Mark Lore becomes rich, but he's mad at Amazon. Mm. <laughs> so he comes back for revenge years later <laughs> and starts Jet.com, raises. I think he raised like like five hundred million dollars, a billion dollars, being like, "We are going to outcompete Amazon and e-commerce." Huh. Like he's like, "I have found the way," okay. and so then, <laughs> and so he got all of these investors to pile into Jet.com, and then Jet.com's like spending. Uh, do you remember Jet.com? No, no. <laughs> oh, no I never heard of it. So Jet.com, they had. I think their color was purple. They had like Jet and some smiley. Anyway. So Jet.com spends hundreds of millions trying to fight it out with Amazon and e-commerce. And then Walmart buys Jet.com as a way to try and make themselves competitive oh. against Amazon in e-commerce. So so that's like the how it all fit together. It's uh-huh. like Mark Lore came back for revenge and then ended up like getting absorbed by Walmart in a relatively futile attempt to try and bring down the spaceship. That's anyway. so weird. Why? Oh, that's so funny. And I guess it never happened. It? I mean, yeah, Walmart but... failed to to make it competitive, it sounds like. Yeah, I don't think it's worked out. No. <laughs> I mean, like, it's, it's, I mean, I'm sure. I don't let's go to Jet.com. I mean, Walmart had to do something. Hold on. Let's see if Jet.com is still. I mean, I hope no, so. It, I, just, I literally it, re- think... it literally redirected to Walmart.com. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I think they paid a billion dollars for Jet.com. Wow. I, I'm, like, if you can look, look up that. Were they just thinking like, look, we can't deal with another one of these? I just it it was it was literally to try and bring on Mark Lore to be like the Amazon killer because if if there was like any human that represented like the the, diapers guy, yeah, like the David (laughs) to Amazon Goliath, it was this guy Mark Lore, and he had a chip on his shoulder because he was like, "I'm back, (laughs) I'm back. You you destroyed my diapers.com." Uh, spaceship and now I'm back with like jet.com and anyway I I found uh, that story really interesting in large part because Mark was so compelling that he raised hundreds of millions of dollars uh, for an e-commerce company to try and rival Amazon Mm -hmm. I thought that was like the most amazing act of salesmanship I had ever heard I was like wow this guy must like be the most convincing dude in the world. Well, they all uh, they all got they all made money. It sounds like by the by the end of it, except Walmart. I, I think that's correct. Yeah, yeah, that's correct. <laughs> but I think it really underlies this issue of how can we possibly govern in the face of such super money 
if our regulators and our elected officials don't even understand not even what aware. they're looking at. Like their understanding of what's going on at a company like Amazon is so uh, terrestrial. If we're talking, if they're in outer space, these guys are, you know, on every, the ground. Every week I go on in Amazon now, I find, I find more and more creepy stuff. Like at first they just had a few like Amazon basic items. Now oh, it's yeah. like every product that you look up, they already have an Amazon brand that yeah. makes it. It's amazing. I, just, I don't know. It creeps me out every yeah, time. Yeah, it's super weird. They have, they have their own brand for literally for everything. things as minute as like a pen, a lighter. To as big as like, uh, well, any clothing thing you would look up, like shopping products, every everything they have it. They they're a machine. So what they do is they have this marketplace, and then they have this giant data dashboard. They figure out as soon as like something's selling at a certain level, right. they're like they go and like, make you know, it. Just, they they go and make it, and so you have these horror stories of this company being like. You know, I sold on Amazon. I was happy until yeah. one day, like, you know, the, their competitor came and I, I couldn't get into the search listings and now I am dead. And <laughs> like they, they're this giant uh, money machine that mm -hmm. just comes in and like it's a combination of like endless resources and endless access to us mm -hmm. and our needs and then endless data. Uh, in like, like there's no, there, there is no real competition. Um, there, there's something... Like there's something that has changed about capitalism, mm. um, and and the problem is that we pretend it's still like the 70s and 80s, mm. like that there is like a genuine market between firms when you have these uh, these companies that have just reached unprecedented scale, size, resources, um, and, and it's being facilitated by this new version of uh, of the markets where there are certain companies that just everyone's going to pile into because they're absorbing more and more of the economy. It's like you, you look up and mm. just, you know, you ask anyone, it's like, um, you know, like, like Amazon, Apple, Facebook, uh, Google would be the big ones where you just look up and being like, Hey, you know, if you close your eyes and open them 10 years from now, like, do you think those companies will still be, um, kicking ass and dominating? Like the answer is yes. Unless, uh, unless the government were to change something for one of those companies. Um, and you're starting to see glimmers of that possibility uh, because people are starting to recognize some of the extremes. Um, I, I may be part of this conversation moving forward, too. Mm. Uh-oh, Jeff Bezos just found his biggest, worst enemy. <laughs> It's Jeff not Bezos. Mark Lore, Jeff. It's You've been looking Mark in the Lohr. wrong place. <laughs> You've been looking the wrong way. Okay. In, well, in, in closing, I want to ask you one final question. You have endorsed uh, Joe Biden. Tell me why do you think Joe Biden will make a better president than Donald Trump? Joe Biden would make a better president than Donald Trump on many, many levels. But... The things I love about Joe, number one, he's actually a good dude who cares about people and like wants, wants to do right by people. Number two is he's really not very ideological. He's more of like a pragmatist where he's like, what are we going to do? Um, and as part of his pragmatism, he's a consensus seeker. He tries to figure out what the folks around him think is the right approach. And he's not going to be someone being like, no, screw you. Like, I, I'm sure of like the way to go. And it's not what you're saying. Like, he'll actually be like, well, if, if people uh, think that this is the way to go, like, I, I'm into it. Mm -hmm. And then the, the third thing uh, is was something I said, um, 
at the convention, which is that Joe has this quality where anything he says becomes the new reasonable. Um, like he came out with a $2 trillion green energy proposal that could have been straight out of the Bernie or AOC like uh, playbook. And if one of them had said it, people would have been like, oh, like, you know, aggressive, pie in the sky. But then Joe says it and everyone's like, yeah, that's cool. That if Joe gets on board with something or champions it, then all of a sudden it becomes the new mainstream. Mm-hmm. And so you have to ask yourself, it's like, okay, maybe I disagree with Joe on some stuff, but it's like, what what's my preferred path? Trying to convince Joe that this is a good idea or try and convince Donald Trump that he should, you know, like adopt a completely completely different approach to governance. Uh, and yeah, I mean that that to me is a no brainer. Mm-hmm. Andrew Yang, future Secretary of Technology and Innovation. Love this potentially. Sound of that. And if that happened, <laughs> I certainly have you two and and a lot of other people to thank. But the big thing right now is just for us to help each other try and get through this mess and you know stay strong and healthy ourselves because you can't help anyone if you can't you know like uh, help yourself. But then if you do have the capacity to help others, please do lend someone a hand because like someone in your life needs a hand. Mm-hmm. Can we count on an interview from Washington D.C. a year sure from thing. now? Yeah, uh, I mean, yeah. heck, definitely, like, if, if I'm the Secretary uh, of Technology and Innovation, uh, then we'll have so much to talk about. And then, yeah, you know, I agree. I'll, That's going to be awesome. I'll even end up being, like, well, one you... of these types of being, like, hey, send me ideas, citizens, because I am now your... <laughs> you know? And, Andrew, if there are UFOs, will you tell us? Will you have access to that? If I find that? out there are UFOs, uh, I will tell people because we all know they're there already. <laughs> okay, Andrew, let me ask you this. If someone's like, okay, Andrew, we're gonna give we're gonna tell you the UFOs and the aliens and all this crazy shit exists, but you can't tell anyone. Do you tell us? <laughs> Depends on who it is, really. I mean, you know, if it's someone I can be like, sorry man, like I just had to tell people that it'd be a, people yeah, always say that, but there's no way you would actually be able to tell us. Don't you see the problem? <laughs> I, I do see the problem. If they bring me into the circle of UFO trust, then it's hard to run outside of the circle and tell Ethan and Hila. Just yeah. before you die, just get the <laughs> just truth out there. Twice. Yeah, blink twice on your on your deathbed. <laughs> um, that done deal, deathbed, UFO confession, yes. Andrew Yang. <laughs> there we go. go. <laughs> All right. Andrew, it's, a, it's been a pleasure as always. I wish you lots of luck mm-hmm. and success. I'm enjoying following everything you're doing. Fantastic. And I am along with the Yang gang all the way. So good luck. Thank you both and, so uh, much. And we're right there with you. Thank you both for everything you do. And, you know, I, I hope the little guy is doing great. Yeah, he is. He's uh, doing know, awesome. He is. Yeah, he is. Thank you. And your kids, too. Uh, I mean, now you're, yeah. you're at home. You're spending time with the family. That's fantastic. I know it was hard on you during the campaign. Yeah, you can understand why, uh, as parents, it was the hardest thing about running. Um, mm-hmm. But I'm happy to say, you know, that, yeah, they remembered who daddy was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's good. That's and, good. And, yeah, and now I'm underfoot all the time when I'm not, you know, zooming. <laughs> all right, Andrew, take care. All right. Thanks, guys, so much. All Thank right. you. All right, talk See you soon. soon. Yep, Hopefully. bye. 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 bye.